Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast from Beacon Baptist Church in Burlington, North Carolina, featuring expositional Bible teaching by Pastor Greg Barkman. If you'd like to correspond with the Beacon Broadcast, or if you wish to support this radio ministry, write to The Beacon Broadcast, Post Office Box 159, Alamance, North Carolina, 27201, or find us on the web at beaconbaptist.com beaconbaptist.com The Beacon Broadcast is supported in part by the gifts of faithful listeners. Now with today's message from God's Word, here is Greg Barkman. We have been working our way verse by verse through 2 Corinthians chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and we've come to the final chapter, chapter 13. And we have been working our way down through this chapter, camping out quite a while on verse 5. But we're going to move on from there on the broadcast today. But just quickly, to get everything in mind, let's walk through where we have been so we will have a better idea of where we are going. In the first three verses, Paul talks about examination. He will come to the church in Corinth and examine them. He's going to judge them. He's going to conduct an investigation of the reports he has heard of various church members who have been sinning, and He's going to weigh the evidence and find out if, in fact, that's what they have been doing. And if they have been doing that and have not already taken care of it themselves by acknowledging it, repenting of it, and stopping, stop doing it, then Paul's going to have to deal with them. Examination. In verse 4, we have an explanation, which is simply Paul explaining why it is that his critics sometimes accuse him of being weak in bodily presence. And it is simply this, because he is an imitator of Christ. And Christ, for the most part, in his public persona, is mild and meek and gentle. But, like Christ, who rose to the occasion when when the situation demanded it and could become very strong in person, so can Paul. And Paul warns them that when he comes in person and must crack the whip, they'll know that he's not always meek and mild, but most of the time he is, most of the time he prefers to be, most of the time he insists on being that way because, as a Christian, he is being conformed to the image of Christ. That's the explanation for his apparent weak bodily presence. Thirdly, we have exhortation, and that's where we've been camping out, where Paul exhorts them, he commands them, examine yourselves, As to whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? And we'll not take any more time with that, because we have spent a number of broadcasts on that. But following that, we find in verses 6 and 7 what we might call expectation. And Paul will tell them, in verse 6, that he expects that they will properly judge him, And he expects that they will deal 
with their sins. Two, two areas of expectation. He expects them to judge him properly, and he expects them to deal with their sins, to judge their sins appropriately. And judging is another word for examination or investigation. There are judgments that are involved in this. So we'll move on to these two expectations. Thank you for joining me on this Friday, December 22. Thank you for remembering that we are in need of your financial support. And thank you for considering a year-end gift to the Beacon broadcast. But now verse 6. But I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. What does that mean? Well, it attaches to verse 5, so I go back to verse 5 again. Examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you are disqualified? Unless indeed in examining yourselves and testing yourselves, you find out that you don't pass the test, that there is not evidence of Jesus Christ being in you. And because of that lack of evidence, because of the lack of the reality, because of the lack of the manifestation of the life of Christ within you and Christ-like characteristics flowing out of you, then it's clear that you didn't pass the test. You are disqualified. You are no true child of God. You need to acknowledge that and go to him for true salvation, for a Holy Spirit wrought new birth. But the last phrase of verse 5, unless indeed you are disqualified, but now verse 6, but I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. Paul tells them to judge themselves, and if they don't pass the test, to recognize that they don't qualify to be called Christians, even though they may be calling themselves that, and that they may have professed to be that, but they don't qualify for that. But now Paul says, I invite you to judge me. I've first commanded you to judge yourselves, examine yourselves, test yourselves, see if Jesus Christ is in you, be sure that you actually qualify for the label Christian. But now I expect that you will judge me. And he invites them to do that. And he says, if you do that, a proper evaluation of my life will confirm my authenticity. We are not disqualified. I trust you will know that we are not disqualified. The we is emphatic. I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. The Corinthians are capable, evidently, of proper evaluation. Paul invites them to evaluate him the same way that he tells them to evaluate themselves, using the same standards of judgment to see if there are evidences of the new birth in Paul's life. Are there evidences that Christ is living in Paul? And he says, I'm confident that if you will do that, you will come to the conclusion that we are not disqualified. In other words, we are qualified. We are qualified to be called Christians. We give every evidence that we are indeed true children of God. Now, that raises the question of the we. And we find that kind of language by Paul quite often and most of the time, it's pretty clear that he's talking about himself and his fellow co-workers, other members of the missionary team. 
It is certainly possible that he is doing that here. In other words, he's, an exam, he's inviting them to not only examine him, but also Timothy, not to examine just Paul and Timothy, but also Titus, who was involved in the work of the ministry in Corinth. Paul brought him along and so forth. And he says, I'm confident that if you'll examine all of us, you'll come to the same conclusion that all of us are indeed genuine believers with marks of genuine salvation in our lives. And so Paul is anticipating, I would say optimistic, that they will examine him correctly. But probably what they have in, he has in mind here and again, it's not real clear. The use of the word we makes this more difficult to be certain about. But it's probable that what he's talking about is evaluation concerning his apostolic standing. That seems to be what the critics were calling into question. Paul's not a genuine apostle. Paul did not gain his training under the Lord Jesus Christ when he was bodily upon the earth and training his 12 apostles. Paul is no genuine apostle like Peter is and like John is. Now, we've been over this before. He tells us that he is an apostle called out of due season is, is one translation. He is an apostle, but not like the others, and yet he is like the others. And what, what do you mean by that? Well, he didn't receive his training from Christ when Christ was upon the earth, but he received his training directly from Christ after Christ arose, uh, went back to heaven, ascended back to heaven. That's amazing, but that's exactly what the scriptures bear out. And he probably didn't see the resurrected Christ when Christ arose from the dead upon the earth as the other apostles did, and as someone to qualify to be an apostle had to be an eyewitness of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but Paul saw with his own physical eyes the resurrected Christ in heaven when Paul was on the Damascus Road, and likely also saw him again in heaven when he was caught up into the third heaven, and saw things which it was not lawful for him to utter. And undoubtedly, if he went to heaven, he saw, among other things, but maybe one of the most important things he saw, was the resurrected, glorified Jesus Christ upon the throne in heaven. So, was Paul trained by the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes. Was Paul an eyewitness that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead? Yes! Does that qualify him to be a true apostle of Jesus Christ? Yes, again, absolutely. And Paul says, I will ask you, I will invite you to judge me to see if I qualify as an apostle. In spite of what the critics are saying, in spite of the doubts that some are raising in your minds, examine me. I trust that you will know that we are not disqualified. But then he goes on in verse 7 for another expectation. The first expectation is that he expects that they will properly judge him. And number two, in verse 7, he expects that they will deal with their sins. Now I pray to God that you do no evil, 
not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. He prays that they will do no evil, and in this context, I think that is saying, he prays that they will deal properly with their sin. It would be evil to not do that. That would be sinful not to acknowledge their sin, confess their sin, forsake their sin, as Paul has called upon them to do. And so, I pray that you will do no evil. And he says, not for my sake. You might think that the reason I'm so concerned about this is because your misbehaving makes me look bad. After all, I founded your church. I am your apostle. I am your your spiritual father. Most of you made your profession of faith in Christ under my ministry. And now some of you are not living as Christians ought to live. That makes me look bad. But he says that's not the main reason. In fact, he says that's not even the reason at all that I want you to deal with your sins. Not for my sake, not for my approval, but for your sakes. Verse 7, Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do what is honorable, though we may seem disqualified. Even if, if your failure to deal with your sins makes me look bad and allow some to call into question. Well, if he were a true apostle of Jesus Christ, then these so-called converts of his would be walking as Christians ought to walk, and they're not doing it. But Paul said, my reason for telling you to shape up is not because I'm, in, I'm concerned about my own reputation. I'll leave that to God. I'm concerned about you, about your welfare, about your eternal destiny. So do what's right for your sake, for your soul's sake, for your never-dying soul. Until next week, Greg Barkman saying good day. May God give you his eternal peace.